Somewhere in a basement in a house near the south side by the Keys. Comes to you a man known to some as the Jackal. A man known to some as Angel. A man known to some as a radio host. A man known to some as a wise guy. But this wise guy tonight is has the honor of welcoming somebody who's actually very important in the world of radio. So I'm not going to talk about myself much tonight, not that I do that much anyway on the show, but I want to say that it is going to be an honor to have my guest on tonight, Mr. Jerry Pippen, who's going to be on my show tonight. But first, I want to welcome everybody who is listening in, both on Tenacity Radio and on the Soup Media Network. Now, what exactly is the Soup Media Network? You might be saying, wait a second, Jack, well, I haven't heard of the Soup Media Network before. What the hell are you talking about? Are, are you on drugs? What's going on? Isn't it the Paranormal Soup Network? Well, yes, in a sense, it was the Paranormal Soup Network, but now, guys, we have the Soup Media Network. This is the brand for the radio station and the entire media 
network that we're putting together. Paranormal Soup Network is the main stable in the Soup Media Network, but it is going to open avenues unlike any other, and we're going to have radio shows that one day might be able to live in the same sentence with Jerry Pippen or Art Bell or, I don't know, somebody like Phil Hendry, who was one of my favorites. But anyway, welcome guys to the show, and please sit back, relax, put on your 3D glasses, even though you don't need them because this is radio, but pretend that you could have Jerry Pippen talking right in front of you. So put him on, sit back, and just relax for a couple hours. We're going to be here for two hours tonight until midnight, and then we have Unraveling the Secrets with Mr. Dennis Crenshaw and Rick Oz, the Ozman. We are going to... I was just about to ask you, Jamie, who the hell is the guest tonight on Unraveling the Secrets? They are having two experts on Elvis. Elvis? The king? Nice. It's going to be a special show. I'd like to welcome everybody who's tuning in. On Shoutcast, Tenacity, Paranormal Soup, Paranormal Media, or Media Network, RadioPower.org, RadioList.com, Radio Brunch, Radio Submit, Killer Startups, Flycast, Delicast, Your Internet Radio, and everywhere around the world on Ham Radio. Yes. Welcome to the Jackal's Head. Now, Jamie, I was telling the folks here about the Soup Media Network right before we, of course... Sorry to tell them about something else, but let's tell them a little bit more about the Soup Media Network because I'm excited about this thing. Now, this is our new radio station. This is what is going to be the brand for our stables. Our stables. That's right. Not just one stable. It's just not paranormal talk shows that you're going to get, guys, on the network. It's going to be much, much more. And, of course, we're partnered up with Tenacity Radio, so it's going to be an amazing future that we have looking ahead of us here and uh let's tell everybody how they can get there right now jamie drop the link if you can in the, in the uh, chat room here you guys could check out the website as it's being built it's not finished yet but you could see it on the soup media.wordpress.com and jamie's going to drop the uh, link there in the chat room so you guys can click on it bookmark that the you know the actual url is going to change by next week it's going to officially be the soup media Net. That'll be the official name of the uh, new radio station that we're putting together, guys. And we have a lot of great stuff coming to the network. So look forward to that. But tonight is all about Jerry Pippen. Now, you've had Jerry on your show, what, three times now? Uh, two times. And I was on two times. Uh, his show twice, yeah. Oh, wow. So you've been on his show twice and he's been on your show twice. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's amazing. Uh, I wasn't on his show as a, a guest. I was on a show as a co-host. Oh, cool! Even better. So, uh, I was. I actually met Jerry on his last birthday. I believe it was his last. It may actually have been a. I'll have to ask him when his birthday is because it's coming up. Because uh, I met him on his birthday bash on his show, and uh, that's when I introduced him myself to him and found out he already knew who I was and had been following my work. Jerry Pippen is uh, in my in my head and in your head in the jackal's mm -hmm. head. Uh, oh yeah, one of one of the pioneers of paranormal radio. I mean, he was right alongside Art Bell 
he actually told me he was doing paranormal shows when Art Bell was doing, uh, you know, regular news and traffic reports. So, mm -hmm. he's, uh, definitely a legend, and, and in my eyes, a lot of other people's eyes, and uh, especially in his archives, he's a legend. He's had oh, yeah. everybody on you can think of. If you want to hear somebody that you've never heard, go to his website, you'll find them. Now, if you guys don't understand what we're saying here, in the type of show that we do, the paranormal ufology type of shows, there's three people that stand out more than anybody else. There's, of course, Art Bell, which everybody's a fan of here. Everybody loves Art Bell. There's Long John Nebel, yep. who is a living, you know, not living, but he's a legend. And then there is the other living legend out of the two that are left, Mr. Jerry Pippen. So Art Bell and Jerry Pippen are two living legends in our industry. Jerry Pippen, like you said, was doing this type of format before Art Bell was even thinking about doing this type of format. So just think about that for a second. He has been doing this for a long time. His archive, like you said, is rich with some of the most interesting figures, not only in ufology but the paranormal, and everything in between because he really does cover a lot of other stuff, not just ufology or just paranormal. He covers a little bit of everything, which is... Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly what I try to model my show after, that kind Another. of show. Another pioneer he is is in internet radio. Uh, some yes. of you may not know, but Jerry's been doing exclusively internet radio for mm -hmm. years, maybe a decade now. And he's yep. really pioneered the internet radio station, and, and he does all of his stuff right on his site. He gets, I mean, just crazy numbers, and it just proves that the internet can be successful is catching up with technology now we have these smartphones and everything and it's just blowing up and i have to say i'm proud to be a part of the paranormal soup the soup media network because it is uh this isn't quite quiet at my end so i'll turn myself up a little bit um it, it's quite a journey we have grown already uh extensively just in the past couple weeks so we're seeing it as new shows switch over, uh, it's only going to get bigger and better. And uh, remember the name because it'll be around for a long time. Indeed. Oh, and speaking Indeed. of that, and speaking of that, I uh, just want to make a quick announcement. We have uh, some big people coming over and joining our network uh, mm -hmm. that we're talking about. And when I say big people, I mean some of the biggest uh, celebrities in ufology movies and tv history channel yep who also does a show and want to join our network so i'll announce it once it's official and they will be part of the soup media network that's exciting i know who it is i'm not saying anything until it's official and when it's official you guys are gonna go holy bananas that's panoodles yep. and to i'm gonna like a, a to good see friend of mine <laughs> one person's reaction i'm just gonna love to see it it's gonna be great well you gotta be careful he might try to bring the hammer down on both of us this time oh yeah know. that's true so <laughs> you gotta tread now, water like yeah we gotta tread water slowly and carefully i think but anyway uh getting on with the show here because we're gonna bring jerry on of course in about uh 18 minutes or so let's uh go over some ufo related news jamie do you have anything for us tonight Wow, nothing like just popping it on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh. 
Oh. Well, of course, uh, today what I did is I just posted uh, the blog on, uh, of course, the show news. But what I can do is pull up news. Of course, there's been a lot of records released. Thursday, the uh, MOD released a plethora of UFO documents that were classified, now declassified, from 1995 all the way to 2003. And we're learning crazy stuff, even stuff like Winston Churchill and Dwight Eisenhower covered up UFO sightings in England, all the way to um, a guy that went to the MOD because he made a bet to a bookie that aliens would land on Earth before the year 2000. And uh, he thought he had won that bet because of the Roswell thing, and he said he based his bet upon that. Well, he went to the MOD to try to get the bookie to pay him, and, you know, that didn't happen. A lot of stories coming out of this. Uh, British X-Files describes secret UFO encounters. Uh, it shows that on an average, uh, the, the Royal Air Force scrambled 200 uh, jets a year in search of unknown objects over their skies. Uh, they have also described a secret UFO study uh, as it released hundreds of previously secretive UFO files, including letters about the Winston Churchill thing. Let me read a little bit more onto this story here. <clears throat> Let me open it up. The files published by the National Archives span decades containing scores of witness accounts sketches and classified briefing notes, documents, mysterious sightings across Britain. One Ministry of Defense notes refers to a 1999 letter stating that a Royal Air Force plane returning from a mission in Europe during World War II was approached by a metallic UFO. The unidentified author of the letter says his grandfather attended a wartime meeting between Church Eisenhower during which the two expressed over the incident and decided to keep it secret because they thought that there would be mass panic among civilians. And, uh, you know, you guys can always keep up with the UFO, the latest UFO-related news on FloridaUFOnews.blogspot.com. Um, let's see what else we got. We got some, some stuff from Stanton Friedman, as we know, the... I believe it's the 41st MUFON synopsis is going on right now. Uh, also, I spoke with Nick Pope uh, two two or three days ago. Oh, he's headed, know. Yeah, he's headed to Leeds to do the Leeds Exopolitics Conference in the UK, which is ongoing right now as we speak. And uh, I've invited huh. him on to talk about it when he gets back. And if he doesn't come on, at least we're going to have a report to read about what happened there from him. So that's going to be exciting. and um, That is exciting. Yeah. Let, and, me, let uh, me ask you, has there been any news uh, with Lloyd Pye in the last couple of weeks? No, not that I've known. You know, this is another story here that's, that's very odd because, uh, you know, Lloyd Pye was on my show. We keep in touch. I haven't talked yeah. to him in a while, but, uh, you know, he got the DNA test results back. Which showed, in fact, that uh, part of the star child was, in fact, not of this Earth. 
Now, he told me he was waiting until he had all of his I's dotted and T's crossed before he published this so that it would stand up to the hardest skeptics. Well, six months later, we're still scratching our head wondering when is this going to come out. This should be the discovery of at least a decade where it shows that a, a skull, a being which appears to have been born and lived in zero gravity and has the you know amazing features to it has indeed extraterrestrial dna and is a hybrid but uh, so far it hasn't come forward why have you heard something on the lloyd pie side no not at all that's the reason why i ask because i know you do keep in touch with him i know you and him are communicating so i figured if anybody would know it might be you because i haven't heard a thing last i heard was the update that you gave a few weeks back saying just that that you know part of the dna is about to come you know come now or be disclosed that part of the dna is extraterrestrial or at least not of you know any origin on this planet now but I haven't yeah. heard anything else i mean it, it that would i would think that would be one of those cases that everybody would be talking about yeah i, wa- this I is wonder a, this why is... nobody's talking about it well, it, 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 he hasn't released it, or they'd be talking I, about. I wonder this why is, he hasn't released this it. Is, yeah, this is one of these things that, when released, if truly proven, you know, they're going to do a Dateline special on it or something. This is how big this news is. So, I'm just hoping that uh, you know the test results that he first confirmed were correct, because you know they did get uh, mitochondrial DNA, which showed. I believe it was that the the mother was pure human and the father right, right. the father DNA, the one that they've been trying to get for a long time, they finally got. And it showed that the father, yes, was part human, but part something not of this earth. So we're just waiting for everything. He still could be just getting all his facts together and just waiting to put this out there. Uh one last story. Uh a UFO was photographed over Perm, Siberia. Over the last week, a number of residents in the city of Prem in Siberia have complained to local authorities of unusual glowing orbs following them around. The local police have received at least three official reports of this nature. Some of the witnesses have videotaped and taken photos of the UFO events. Authorities are now believed to be examining the footage. It has also been claimed that unusual activity on the ground was reported in the vicinity of these UFOs. Apparently, in one case, one of the UFOs burnt a round area in the grass remotely from off in the distance. Uh, UFO sightings are a common occurrence in Prem, and many residents claim to have had alien encounters over the years. So, we all know about Siberia, Tunguska, and, uh, you know, Russia and that whole part of the world. I mean, really, all of the world is experiencing uh, increase in UFO activity over the past few years, at least yep. uh, from what I can see. Yeah, and of course, you know, we could, we could blame that on not only maybe there really being more activity from visiting crafts yeah, of other worlds, but, but everybody also top has secret a military. Yeah. Everybody having cell phones, a lot of satellites in space. You know, there's a lot more traffic in, you know, right around the the planet Earth now than there was ever before. And uh, that causes a lot of confusion as well. And yeah. everybody has a camera now. So there is the chance of just about everybody being able to pick something up. But it, it is amazing how traffic is picking up in the last five years, uh, five, ten years, really. It's been yeah, picking, like, it's been picking up. 
Like they say, uh, 99% of UFO reports can be explained natural phenomenon or misidentification. Yeah. But there is that 1% that is true. And, well, uh, isn't that part of the uh, MOD's final, uh, I guess, uh, analysis? The, the MOD's final analysis was that uh, they do um, acknowledge a UFO presence, right. but find no threat to the UK, Britain, Europe, or their airspace, so they don't want to waste their money on it because they find no threat to it, which I think is just a front so that they stop getting all these UFO reports because they got to put money out for somebody to go through these and investigate them. I think it's a front just to stop getting people to report them and stop freedom of information requests coming in because that's got to be a pain getting all these uh Freedom of information requests, you got to go in, dig them out, send them out to people, yep. and you're, you're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So I think they're, they're, they're saying they're shutting down, but they're not really shutting down. It could, yeah, it could very easily be a, you know, a tactic to divert the attention of the public and, you know, just get them to stop asking so much for you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, I, you know, I don't think even with all the stuff they've disclosed, if there is anything really, you know, going on there, there is top, you know, secret hush over. I don't think they're going to release those files. Yeah. Well, recently, so. we, you know, recently we've been talking about some of the biggest cases in ufology, and uh, yes. Rendl Rendlesham has come up Rendlesham as Forest, yeah. as one of the top three, at least in my case, which is uh, very, very, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, important, big, big, yes. massive, gargantuan, uh, evidentiary, uh, inception, no, related, no, no, well, just well, kind of, of. Very, very, uh, it's got a lot of evidence and credence behind it. We have recordings, reports from a lot of uh, quoted uh, trained observers. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, it's a big case involving two it is bases. A, it is a big case. It is a big case. Two separate nights. So there's a lot yep. of stuff still be released. The, the Rendlesham files have never been released. And I, and you know what? I really think those files will never see the light of day, especially since, you know, it, it's getting already. It's been how many years since that, since that incident? Yeah, it was, uh, how, you know. How long ago was that? Uh, wow. It was uh, uh, 81, 80? Yeah. S late 70s, early 80s? Something like that. Yeah, it's been almost, you know, it's been around 30 years, let's say around 30 years, roughly. Uh, for those files to get out, it's going to be really hard to, to have anything credible come out. Because honestly, I'm pretty sure a lot of these so called secret government projects, you know, for the, from reverse. Yeah, it happened in the. December 1980. So yeah, I'm sorry. A lot of a lot of this stuff is not going to have documents that it could just be laying around, that people could just put out. A lot of this stuff is going to be you know with documents that are either locked away somewhere, where nobody could get to it, or they're just uh, destroyed as soon as they're you know not needed anymore. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's what it, that's uh, that's also what the MOD is saying is that yep. any reports it does get, it's destroying within six months to go around the exactly. Freedom of Information Act. And when I first heard this, I, I got right on the horn to Nick Pope. Is this true? He says, yes, it is true. So, you know, huh. how far can he go that's, with that? Uh, he, yeah. He's still, he, you know, he, he, he stopped working for the MOD four years ago. He still has a lot of friends in the MOD, still yeah. talks to a lot of people. So, you know, 
They tell him. Well, you know, it's funny because I've interviewed uh, Nick Pope. You've interviewed Nick Pope. And he, of course, doesn't believe a lot of the UFO-related stuff. He thinks a lot of it is just unidentified aircrafts and stuff. And he thinks there's not a whole lot to the entire phenomenon. But the funny thing is, you know, he is, I I think, a credible individual. Like I said, I've interviewed him. You've interviewed him. He seems like a very credible person. And he is saying that. But again, even people like Nick Pope might not have the clearance to see some of the real secret stuff that might be going on well, so the, the, the whole thing the whole thing with nick pope is he was a skeptic turned believer before he went to the mod's ufo desk he right. was a skeptic he is now a believer um and if if you're saying that you know he really doesn't believe in all this well let his actions speak for it because he oh no he believes is, but is tied I, up he, in all this so he definitely oh no he, be- he definitely else. believes he definitely believes but he also is you know he said it straight up on the show when I interviewed him that he yeah. you know that a, a lot of what's going on in the ufology a lot of the phenomenon is bogus. Oh, of you course. Know, he came out straight out and said it, and you know he doesn't believe everything that's going on, but he is aware that there is some kind of a presence uh, from ETs and that there really are you know visiting this planet, and he really thinks there is something to the whole thing in general, which I believe also. But, of course, like we said, everybody has a camera nowadays. So anybody could, you know, report a UFO sighting or, you know, doctor a sighting. And that's, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that's been going on with YouTube and whatnot, where everybody who can get on YouTube, you know, is going bananas with their CGI programs or their Photoshopping skills. Uh, listen, guys, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to be right back in about five minutes with Mr. Jerry Pippen, the guest of yeah, honor tonight. Yeah on the jackal's head so thank you jamie for bringing on the news i know you're going to be producing the show tonight thank you for that because mr pete dickinson of course took the night off so uh you know apparently something with some some legal documents he had to go uh take care of so i need you uh to produce the show and i appreciate you doing that for me tonight sir i think yeah i think pete's uh baby mama had had them have him sign some papers or something but uh yeah when we come back i'll say hi to jerry and we'll uh i'll finish producing it Alrighty, you are the man, sir. Guys, we'll be right back again with, well, the man. <laughs> you are about to enter a new dimension in sound. You are listening to. There's one secret question you can't ask. If they know the answer to this question, then they're definitely aliens. They have to tell you in detail what these ingredients are for the secret sauce in the Gordita Crunch at Taco Bell. Only the aliens and the folks at Taco Bell know the secret ingredients for the secret sauce on the Gordita Crunch. The Jackal and his co-host. There is a way to test if these are real aliens. Next time it happens, Ask them to give you something to prove that they know something that's not out yet, like Stan Romanek, they gave him uh, mathematical equations and elements that weren't discovered for a couple of years. Ask them to tell you something that's going to be developed next year, and uh, if it comes true, then they really are aliens. If not, then you're probably having sleep paralysis. If you wake up and you're in bed, then then you're probably asleep. And now we're coming for all of you. <laughs> this is Jekyll going into Jekyll's uh, head. And I hope everybody tunes in and listens. These boys know what they're doing. They really got it 
They know what they're doing. The OnStar aliens are coming for you, June. We're coming. Vibration. I'm Jeremiah Greer from Shadows in the Dark Radio, and I am now a voice inside the Jackal Pit. Stephen Jacobson, and I'm now a voice in the Jackal's head. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young nigga. As a heaven for G, be a lie if I told you that I never thought of that. My nigga, we the last ones left. But life goes on. How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young nigga. There's a heaven for G. Be alive. If I told you that I never thought of death, my nigga, we the last ones left. Life goes on. Life goes on. Empty halls, breath sticking in my drawers. Ring, ring, ring. Quiet y'all. Here coming calls. Plus it's my homie from high school. He getting by. It's time to bury another brother. Nobody cry. Life is a baller. Alcohol and booty calls. He used to do them as adolescents, do you recall? Raise the jeans, loafed out and blaze the weed. Get on the roof, let's get smoked out and blaze with me. Two in the morning and we still high assed out. Screaming thug till I die before I passed out. But now that you're gone, I'm in the zone thinking I don't wanna die all alone. But now you're gone. And all I got left is thinking memories. I love them niggas to death. I'm drinking Hennessy. I drank a fit for that ass when you pass, cause life goes on. How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young nigga, there's a heaven for a cheat. Be alive, if I told you that I never thought of death. My nigga, we the last ones left. But life goes on. How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young nigga, there's a heaven for a cheat. Be alive, if I told you that I never thought of death. My nigga, we the last ones left. And life goes on. Yeah, nigga, I got the word as hell. You blue trowel and the judge gave you 25 with an L. Time to prepare to do fair time. Won't you parole? Imagine life as a convict that's getting old. All righty, everybody. We're back here on the Jackal's Head. And now I have the honor of introducing a gentleman who I said before is absolutely a living legend, Mr. Jerry Pippen. Now, when Jerry wanted to be, you know, to be in broadcasting, he started hanging out at KBIX and KMUS, the two local radio stations in his hometown. And uh, when he was in junior high school, he finally, after a couple of years, uh, got tired of being, you know, one of the groupies and actually got himself a job at a radio station. And uh, he was actually very good at it, and he's been doing radio, like we said earlier, for many, many years. He's worked on many different stations. Uh, Jerry Pippen is a legend in this in his form of radio, in this format of radio. Mr. Pippen is one of those people that has been uh, kind of a pioneer to this kind of radio, and it is an honor for myself to have him on the show here tonight. Jerry, thank you so much for taking part, and welcome to the Jackal's Head. Hey, it's great to be here, and you uh, you and Jamie uh, did a great 30-minute uh, warm-up and uh, covered all the material I was going to talk to, uh, to you about, so I think I'll leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were trying to outdo the best. We did our, our hardest, and I know we couldn't do it, but that's a great way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I don't know what the hell you guys are going to do for the next 90 minutes. No, I don't. I'll stick around. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was telling my audience here, I mean, just about everybody who's in the uh, in the chat room here knows you uh, and, you know, has heard of your name and knows exactly your history. Uh, but let's tell them a little bit of what got you, in, you know, really interested in uh, doing radio to begin with all those years ago. I know radio back then was really the top format or the top medium, you know, even though TV was really taken over. Uh, radio was yeah. really popular back then. But what was it about radio that just hooked you and you know made you fall in love with this format? I don't, I don't, I don't uh, really have an answer other than I was just infatuated. It's kind of like uh, you know when you see a woman you like. Oh yes. <laughs> and and I liked I liked radio. And I was a young kid listening. Uh, what remember when I was young, television was there, but it, was, it had just started. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically. Uh, Radio still had, uh, had children's programs. It had uh, programs uh, like Tom Corbett's Space Cadet and uh, Space Patrol, Buzz Corey, Space Patrol, little 15-minute uh, cheaply produced programs that uh, that I loved. And so I, I fell in love with it, and I started uh, actually, uh, I come from a fairly large family, and uh, I used to get everybody, my sisters, my three sisters and uh, all of the neighborhood kids involved in doing radio shows, and I'm sure they loved it, but uh, they put up with me. And uh, then I started hanging out at radio stations uh, as very young. That was back when nobody was afraid to have a kid hang around. Yeah, now I don't know that you could have a, no, definitely a seventh not. or eighth grader come up to your studio and hang out without people wondering what the hell is happening, you know? <laughs> yep. and, and things have changed but back then it was pretty innocent and uh, I was a very young guy uh, and my parents would drop me off or let me go my dad worked at Sears selling radio and TVs as a matter of fact and furniture and the radio station was just down the street and so I would go uh, on, Saturday, on Thursday nights he would work late late 30 or 9 that was before they were open all the time you know Back in those days, even Sears was closing at 5.30, except for one day a week. <laughs> yep. And some places on Saturday night. And everybody was closed on Sunday. But uh, anyway, uh, I would go down to the radio station, and uh, the guy that ran the board was uh, Hale Bicknor, Jr. And he was a interesting fellow, smoked pipe, classical <laughs> music announcer more than anything else. And... Uh, but he humored me and uh, showed me the business, and uh, eventually, as I got a little older, by the time I was a sophomore, they got tired of me hanging around the radio station, they let me work on Sundays. And that's how the career started. Now, this was a, a while ago. This is a long, long this, time this ago. This is in the 1950s. 1950s, and I know that you, 1955, sir, you, you know, I think, exactly, uh, uh, my first paid uh, job came uh, I think in the summer of 1955 right. and just so everybody knows here this gentleman Mr. Pippin is also a person who served in the US Army you served in 1961 you joined and was stationed in San Francisco is that correct that's correct actually the US Army Personnel Center which was uh, right across uh, the Bay Bridge uh, it, we were on a Navy base, and we did most of our work for the Air Force. And so I didn't really have a boss, so it was pretty neat. 
that is pretty neat. And and uh, you know, a great spot actually for for ufology is the San Francisco, California area. So is that where you kind of got started getting interested in well, ufology I used around to that area? To those, uh, you know, they had even back in those days. It's hard for people mm-hmm. to uh, believe it, but they had. To, on late night talk shows that dealt with UFOs and paranormal subjects. And uh, so I would listen to those, yeah. And um, I I, I really, you know, I've always been involved. I I actually started when I I was doing radio before, as uh, as you know, before I went in the Army. I went in the Army to do radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, at Governor's Island in New York is where they had the Armed Forces Radio School. But I got such good duty out there at uh, Oakland, San Francisco, that I uh, I just stayed there. I, I turned down the school and uh, got to stay where I was, and uh, actually worked uh, uh, part time at a radio station there part of the time. So um, I never really got out of radio, ever, except uh, for a couple of years when I was doing stand-up comedy in the uh, 80s. But even then, when I owned these comedy clubs, we had a syndicated show called the Comedy Radio Network, which is pretty simple. All we would do is interview uh, a comedian and play comedy cuts. It was Hmm. kind of a popular show. We had it on a few stations, 30 or 40. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. So so that's that's my life, I I guess. I knew you were into stand-up comedy, but I didn't know that uh, that you know it went that far. Uh, how, how did uh, you know, why did you drop comedy and continue doing radio after experimenting? Well, radio with, was my first right. love in television. Love. I, I did I exploded with TV a couple of times, um, and uh, basically, you know, you, you make any money as a comic unless you're a superstar. You got to travel every that week, is true. Yep. and. Uh, after two or three years, I got a little tired of it. But uh, we basically uh, played comedy clubs all across the country. And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, after a while, uh, we we just kind of got out of it. We were offered a, a job at KVEG, a 50,000-watt AM station in Las Vegas in 1987, mm-hmm. uh, to interview celebrities. And we originated from a couple of places. A little while, uh, we did it at Stardust and down at the Riviera. And we did it at our studio uh, out on Pecos Avenue as well. And uh, the guy that followed me uh, was Billy Goodman. And uh, he was uh, pretty famous for uh, UFO shows and actually had discovered Area 51, or at least made it made it public, hmm. and uh, had and so that that got our attention as well. And uh, then when uh, Billy left, uh, he went back to Rhode Island, Providence, and um, so we just expanded our show another hour or so, and we picked up some of his stuff. So we started doing UFOs every day. And um, basically, that's how we got started doing UFOs all the time. And uh, recently, you know, somebody asked me, "Well, what, what, what? Uh, why, why did you do that? Were you, um, you know, abducted, or you have an ET experience, or anything like that?" And uh, I, you know, it's not a good answer, but the, the answer is, uh, it was good radio. In other words, it was kind of 
the way we approached it is we tried to get a different guest every week or every day. Right. And that was unique. And we liked experiencers, people that had had things happen to them, as well as researchers. And uh, we tried to make it a true life X-Files. That was very big at that time, that type of show. Mm-hmm. And Forerunners, Twilight Zone, and a few others. And so, uh, you know, we basically uh, found out there was no shortage of people who had had weird experiences, both in the paranormal and in the UFO field. And one thing leads to another, and uh, we got pretty immersed in the whole subject and have been for decades. Let me ask you, uh, Jerry, what do you think of some of the reports that have come out recently, and actually in the last few years, uh, saying that a big part of what's going on with the UFO phenomenon and a lot of the paranormal stuff is media-induced brainwashing, that a lot of it has to do with movies that come out and uh, with you know shows like The X-Files and Fringe, that it influences people to have these sightings. And when these type of shows are on, or big movies like Avatar or Independence Day come out, for some reason there's a spike in sightings. Uh, do, you, do you see a correlation between the media putting out these type of shows and movies and the UFO phenomenon? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Short, sweet yeah. answer. I like that. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, the, 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 you know, it brings up the subject. It reminds people uh, the the problem we have with UFOs and paranormal uh, things are a whole lot like we have even in investigating in a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people sometimes think they saw things and they didn't. And I'm trying to be very careful here because a lot of people do experience things and yep. they did see yep. them. And so it's uh, we, we really don't try to shoot people down in a harsh manner. Uh, you know, that uh, in other words, we, we're, we're not in the job of proving there's not UFOs. We're in the job of proving there are. Correct, yep. And so, um, obviously, many of these people over the years have uh, been on my show, and many of them have proven uh, to be uh, not completely true. Most of them, however, don't make it up. Some do, and usually you can figure those people out pretty fast, especially when you've been doing it (laughs) as long as me. But uh, occasionally, every once in a while, you get fooled. And a lot of times, I do shows that I don't believe in, but I don't really knock them when I do it. And the reason I do it is because it's part of the UFO lore. It's part of the scene. It's part of the buzz that's going on. A good example of that would be the Pickering Brothers and, uh, and the story about uh, you know, you know the uh, UN ET meeting and uh, the, the three different types of, uh, of ETs that they made contact with out of Area 51 and on and on and on. And it turned out later <clears throat> this guy was a fraud, their source. And uh, we pretty well had figured that out already. But we went ahead and did the show, a two-hour show about uh, ET Invasion 2017, simply because... It's been out there. It's been out there. So we wanted to explore it. And right. we presented it. And uh, it got a good audience. And as a result of our exposure, 
a couple of other investigative type researchers pretty well exposed it as a fraud. In other words, it had been bubbling around there all the time until we brought it out. And then we brought it <laughs> out and uh, put a spotlight on it. So you got to be careful, as they say, what you ask for. And so uh, we, we, we get probably 10, 15 people a day wanting to be on the air with us. And I know you guys get a lot, too. Uh, a lot of people don't don't uh, understand. Uh, once you're out there, not, people not, know about Not you. quite they as many as you, Jerry. <laughs> not quite as many yeah. as you, Jerry. <laughs> well, quite a few. Starting and, to. But, and, and you will, yeah. too, as you, you've got some big things happening in your we, we hope future. To, we hope to get... So you get ready. It, it, the, in other words, the lack of content <laughs> for a show yep. does not exist. Mm-hmm. As you guys know, you can go out and you can dig up some stuff uh, almost any time. And we do that. We do a lot of it. We, we try to walk a fine line, and uh, it's not really uh, uh, journalistically sound, this fine line. But we are journalists, basically, and so we like to get the real truth. And we try to label right. things uh, that we believe in. Uh, in other words, we put our stamp of approval on it. But most of the stuff we're bringing out there is is uh, entertainment and information-based information that that's out there bubbling around. This will, just like the this UK thing you were talking about a little earlier and uh, talking about mm-hmm. Nick Pope and all of that. I mean, th- this latest data dump was 5,000 pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at it, uh, the the big story there uh, might be, and appears to be, that UFOs were here before 1947. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they've been around for a long time. We've done ancient astronaut uh, shows, and I'm sure you guys have too. Oh, yeah, I just had Jason Martell on recently, actually, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm not talking about old astronauts, I'm talking about... <laughs> <laughs> biblical uh, and before visits from uh, other places yeah. and uh, you know George Filer I think uh, this week even quoted Genesis 6-6 again in his Filer's files mm-hmm. so I mean you know he's he talking basically about the, they came and they took our women and <laughs> and that's in the Bible and so we hear today's abduction stories. I have, you know, many, many women and men who have been abducted. And the story is they're taking our women. They're they're basically doing it a little differently. They're not having sex with them. They're just implanting things these days. But I guess, uh, have you guys heard of any stories of uh, ETs having sex with women? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I've uh, plenty of them putting you know uh, artificial inseminated hybrids in them, but never have actually. Yeah, yeah, I hear all those stories, but I don't know about yeah. the others. I've heard I've heard a few uh, um, male stories where uh, there was one in Brazil. Uh, a farmer was picked up and had was seduced by a female human-looking alien, and when she mm. was done with him, she dropped him off, and they took off. But I don't know oh, about the other uh, way around. Yeah, I, I I used to write science fiction as a hobby, and I wrote a couple of stories like that. That's a man's dream, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, abduction. Yes, folks. In and, uh, and my even, neck of the woods, even, we call that uh, I, think, I think if we uh, <laughs> examine some of the things happening today out there in Washington State, uh, yeah, 
uh, there's a guy out there uh, that basically says uh, female ET queen and he or prince. And so, uh, who knows? <laughs> I haven't met Jay. one yet. I have seen an ET. I have seen, not. I have not seen an ET, but I, other than maybe in a nightmare or something. Yeah. Well, but, you know what? Uh, actually, I have I, seen UFOs. I, Jerry, I actually do know that you do know one ET. I do know and, this for uh, a fact. And his name you. is Mr. Walton, Mr. Don. Ray oh, Walton. Don Walton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Don, right. Yeah. Uh, I got to, Don. You know, we can say what we want to about Don, but he's got. A, he's going to knock off a car of the Night Rider. Yes, he does. And you know, like actually, Rider and I, I, when he was in Roswell uh, this year, and we were broadcasting pretty kick-ass car. Roswell. Yeah, it, um, it, it it's a pretty neat little car. He's, it, yes, and it it's got a, got a computer in it and does talk. It does. It will start for him and uh, back up and things like that. My question, I though, don't know that he can I, trace it, tag numbers yet. No, but he's working on I, that. I asked him a question and he couldn't answer. Maybe he gave you the answer. You might you might be able to answer for him. But uh, you know, my question was, why would aliens you know give you the instructions of uh, I'm building this vehicle? Instead of giving you instructions on how to cure cancer or something that could be useful to society, because he claims he got the instructions from aliens in a dream to, to build this car, this Knight Rider car, and that kind of I'm known, I'm known me. Don. I'm known <laughs> Don for many years. You guys and done he's more done everything from plugging himself in the wall, electricity-wise, to um, all kinds of things. So. Uh, he's one of those uh, interesting people on the fringe. Yes, he is. And uh, he, uh, he actually uh, got a book published by uh, Galdi Press, and it actually sold pretty well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yes, he, he was telling us about that, actually. It, it, Don is a, is a good guy. He, he's a very he, intriguing He's tried character. to call into the show, he told me, and uh, you guys... Uh, no, we let him talk. Yeah, yeah, you haven't uh, blown him off, so yeah. and we let him on our shows, and some people come by and say, "Why do you let Don Walton on?" Well, I think he's an entertaining guy. Yeah, and you know, you, you when you have a meal, you can have your steak and potatoes, but you still need a little <laughs> dessert. I oh, tell definitely. you what, Jerry, um, we we have found our UFO Phil here on the Jackal's head. Um, oh yes. Yes, oh, uh, you know how uh, you know Art Bell had UFO Phil. Uh, we have this this lady called Jersey June, and she is amazing. Uh, you have to. I personally, to I think that she will put. Uh, I think she put UFO Phil to shame. Oh yes, that's how she, that's how amazing this lady is. Yes, and she well, tell is me about her. I don't know about in her. contact. Well, well, well she's she, in, she's in, uh, she's in contact with these. On-star beings, as we call them. Now, these beings apparently are trying to go through some kind of measures to put what you know is called what, what was it, Jamie? Uh, a Bluetooth chip into people's yeah. ears. Well, she says when she gets in her car that the on-star aliens speak to her in her head and tell yes. her where to go and if she needs assistance. And then she says she sees people walking around talking to n people that aren't there. And then uh, I said, yeah, they might have a Bluetooth. And, you know, she said she went to the dentist to make sure she didn't have a Bluetooth. And we sent her on assignment <laughs> missions to go to Taco Bell and to do stuff. And uh, uh, she's quite quite the uh, character. And it, it, yeah, it, it makes her a great yeah, show. Yeah, well, you know, um, 
all of my life doing talk shows and call-in shows before we got to the uh, hot talk phase, uh, I've always looked for these people to call in. And we always uh, used to assign them names. I had a guy that used to uh, think he was uh, in another dimension and thought he was uh, haunted. And we used hmm. to call him the Shadow, and we played the Shadow music when he called in. Uh, you are making fun of them in a way, but it's show business. And in another way, those people believe what they're telling you. Yes, they do. Yep. And well. so... Um, you know, where, 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 do, where, where does reality stop and uh, fantasy begin? It's a big story and yeah, it's a big she, question. She's more like UFO Phil. I think she's playing a character, but there are those out there that really truly believe what they're telling you. So yeah, I think, and I think Don is one of those folks that really truly believes. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, what yeah. he's saying, I really do think he believes. It. I still don't get why they would send him instructions to build a Knight Rider replica, but that's neither here nor there. I still do think yeah. he believes what he, what he says. Jerry, let me ask you this because this is a story that came up uh, recently in the last couple of weeks here, and it's actually something that has been you know brought back from the dead, really, because this was something that was posted you know, a few years ago online. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about the Travis Walton. Oh, sure. Uh, thing is going yeah. on now with somebody who came forward yeah, saying that I, 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 I question why all of a sudden this is being circulated again. Yes. I, uh, in fact, I posted a blog on this. The same people. I've had Travis on my shows from Las Vegas. He used to come in and, in person and be on, yeah. home with me. He and Mike Rogers. And um, uh, Travis, by the way, uh, will be on our show from uh, Angel Fire. Uh, the, the Paranormal Symposium, the 2010 Symposium and Film Festival, which oh, is cool. being held September 9th through uh, 12th in Angel Fire, New Mexico. And Travis is a speaker there, and we're going to talk to him about it a little bit more. But um, this has been going on for a long time, and uh, Travis will even uh, confess to you that in, uh, in later years, uh, in, he had not really... Uh, Heard about MK Ultra and other mind control things, but he questions, you know, exactly what did happen sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he does. He does. In fact, I had him on my show in December of last year. Great, great guy, Travis Walton. He's a, a great gentleman to speak to and, and to He's a talk nice to. Guy. And, you know, very, very nice guy. And, you know, part of our conversation, he brought up the fact that. To him, he would not say 100% that it was aliens that abducted him or took him or anything. He leaves it open to it could be any interpretation because he really does not know fully what happened just because of the simple fact that he saw human-looking beings on a craft and he doesn't know if it could have been a government ship, if indeed it could have been alien ships. Uh, he just you know, he leaves that open to interpretation. And he seems to me, I mean, to me, he seems like an honest individual who really had an experience. Whether it be aliens or not, I really believe he had an experience. Well, I, you know, um, here again, um, is he making it up? Uh, they, 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 we've had him on many times. We like Travis. We put him on. Um, no one really knows any of these true stories. I mean, you know, you, I mean, we can get out of the UFO realm and talk about politics. Uh, you, oh, yeah. You yeah. Somebody, somebody come over and talk to you about if so-and-so said something, a um, senator or, uh, or a general or whatever, we don't really know that. Exactly. You have That's to take, true. You pay people. Our job, in my opinion, as talk show hosts, 
uh, is to put out uh, the, these interesting people and let them tell their story and ask the inquiring questions and do the best we can to present the best uh, picture we can. But at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, are we saying everybody has to say, well, you, you, even a lie detector test wouldn't work because people beat that all the time. Yep. <laughs> Here again, we take the lady you were talking about that goes to uh, on assignment with uh, OnStar yeah. for the OnStar <laughs> agents and Don, uh, Don Walton and and a few others I know. Uh, they probably pass by the yeah. Test. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Jerry, I wanted to ask you: When did you make the switch over to um, online radio only? And uh, when did it start becoming successful for you? Because I know technology is starting to catch up with Well, yeah, I, I, I went online only uh, or on-demand or podcasting only in uh, 2004. And it had just started mm-hmm. uh, being, uh, being uh, viable. And uh, there were, you know, some people had broadband before that, of course. But uh, I've always felt uh, that uh, the advantage of the Internet, and uh, don't misunderstand me, I love live shows, and I love phone calls, and I love people mm-hmm. writing emails and asking us questions and things like that. But I've always felt that we were such a busy society, and one of the advantages of the Internet is the download, mm-hmm. the digital yes. device that you can take and listen to wherever you want to. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, Bridge, uh, which is a research company that deals in the Internet broadcasting, they found that, uh, you know, it's just not kids downloading music. People are listening to these digital devices in their cars now and oh, yeah. sound docs and home stereos. And um, our audience, uh, since I'm an older guy, uh, our audience is probably heavy 35 plus, but we do have lots of young listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. it's surprising how many of these 35 plus people actually listen on iPods and other download devices. Yep. And so uh, we, we started pushing that, and uh, we've been pushing it ever since. And uh, we finally. Um, I decided we wouldn't fool around with the networks uh, because you're all, I was on 189 stations for a long time. Wow. And, and um, I'm, I'm talking about big stations, KLIF in yeah. Dallas and uh, KFYI in Phoenix, KHOW in Denver. Uh, the list goes on. I, I was on WOR in New York one night. How about uh, KMOA? Is that the big one in Oklahoma? KOMA, yes. Yeah. I worked at KOMA playing rock and roll music, by the way. At one time, many years ago, I never did the talk show for them. Yeah. But the, those type of stations, you know, are around that reach out. And they were very big at one time. KVEG, where I worked in Las Vegas for many years, covered 11 states. And at the Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles at night, it came on like a local station. And the same up um, in Idaho and uh, Northern California, and uh, uh, we reached 11 states. And uh, you mentioned Art Bell earlier. He was on the other station, the other 50,000-watt station out there, at 7.20 a.m., K. Don, and they reached, I think, the same amount of stations as states. Mm-hmm. And um, Art, you know, he wasn't always just a UFO guy. 
uh, when yeah, I was yeah. there, yeah. when I was there, he was a political uh, guy. He he was a, basically a conservative talk show host and did occasional UFOs. And he's like me. He figured out that UFOs is where the real audience is, I guess, because he's pretty well concentrated on that in his later years. And 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 the point is that um, the, I, broadcasting I like, and I like the idea when we were syndicated on satellite, and we uh, did it with several different networks. Independent Broadcasters Network out of Tampa was our first uh, one that we syndicated with, and uh, basically. Um, even though we were in Vegas, um, but uh, these satellite feeds on AM radio stations are, are very good. But the problem is I had 100, 189 bosses, each program director <laughs> yeah. at each radio station. They weren't concerned about the overall picture. They're only concerned about themselves, yep. and their, understandably, and their audience. And so... Uh, you know, and then then you had had a lot of people taking us, and uh, like KFYI in Phoenix, we were on Sunday afternoons, uh, and when uh, the show was a nighttime show, but that's just the place they had to put us. They they plug us in. You take it wherever you can get it. You know, if it's a good station, and so um, and then then on top of that, you got the business part of radio, which we haven't even discussed, and uh, if you don't make some money somehow you're not going to be around yep that's true and so that is, uh, that is true now, jerry so let me ask you, you you know you so so you're also at the realm of your advertisers before and, we get too uh, deep too deep into the the business side of it what, let me ask you real quick a, a question since you've been on radio for you know a, a quick minute here you've been around for a good minute uh what what's your take on places like block talk radio and these little net radio places that are popping up that now anybody with a cell phone can pretty much do a little block talk radio show well you know uh, it's whatever you want to make of it and some people on blog talk radio promote their shows pretty heavily Yes, and they they get uh, you guys were on Blog Talk at one time, I think. Yep. Yes, we were. Yep. And, and uh, you know, the, the the dirty little secret is uh, uh, many of those shows only have a hundred listeners or less. <laughs> but uh, yeah. if you promote it highly enough, it uh, as far as I can tell, Blog Talk seems to support. Ever how many listeners you have? You guys were on there. You know more about it than me. I've yeah. never done it. We did. Uh, we did some calculations. Even up till now, I did some calculations just with my show, and surprisingly enough, it was over ninety-nine percent of my listeners were in archives. Yep. Same here. Yeah, well, well, that's the reason. That's the only reason I do what I do. The yep. podcast. Every every show we do is an archive, and there are many reasons for that. And the one reason was that I thought radio today and television really um, uh, unless you're doing a live event unless you're taking a lot of phone calls or a lot of people in a chat room talking to you you're wasting your time because all your audience is spread out around the world at different time zones listening to different habits yes indeed yeah. Yeah, and so um, we, we have shows that we did back in 2000 2001 that still get huge audiences well not huge like uh, 250,000 like some of our shows do now but uh, they still get 500 600 listeners a week and they've been doing that consistently since 2000 so you add that up that's pretty big too 
Yeah, it is. And and so uh, we just haven't really figured out how, I'm talking about we as an industry, Mm -hmm. on how to market on-demand radio exactly. Because you can skip by the commercials. So you gotta you gotta be we 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 have a very limited amount of commercials, mm-hmm. with the hope that they'll put up with those few commercials, and uh, you know, and then when you do uh, conventional radio, you're gonna have a lot of commercials because I don't oh, yeah. know if people understand how that works. Yep, I do. But uh, the network gets a few commercials that they get to keep the money, and the stations they get some time, yep. to sell their commercials. And so you add them up together, that's twice as many commercials. Yep. And that explains why you have big breaks. And uh, so uh, I do think that overall in our marketing plan uh, for the coming years is basically to go back to the old approach that was back uh, very viable in early radio. And that is sponsorship of a program rather than spots. Not that we're going to turn down any spot business, we're not. But back in the early days of radio, uh, advertising agencies pretty well ran the game. And you had uh, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, uh, which probably nobody remembers, but it was a popular Tuesday night radio show. It was sponsored by uh, Johnson Wax and uh, followed by Bob Hope and it was sponsored by Pepsi Dent and on and on. And uh, so... We, and that's the way we're going to be marketing. I gave, giving you guys a little tip if you want to get along here. Oh, I'm, I'm on taking notes here, Gerald. I'm taking notes. You put, uh, you know, they call it the pre-roll, the little 15-second spot that runs up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you put that in there with the sponsorship ID, and then you it was Jack Benny used to do many yep. years ago. He used to put his Lucky Strike commercials uh, when they could advertise cigarettes. He would put that as part of the show. In other words, the announcer would show up and, right. in, in the skit, and somehow he would work in the commercial. And I think that's how we have to do it these days. Yep. Not yep. necessarily yep. in a comedy, comedy vein, but that's probably a good way to work it. But uh, in other words, uh, the reach is bigger than ever. But the the ability to cut your commercial out is bigger than ever. So you mm-hmm. need need to uh, you don't need to be too greedy. In other words, you need to get, make enough to make a living and uh, be a little successful. But at the same time, you can kill the golden goose by having too many commercials. Very true. It, and it's especially amazing. true now with uh, with the. You know, on television, people do this all the yeah. time. They just skip through all the uh, commercials. Yep. You know, it's, I know it's, some it's people that never watch a live show. Jerry, do you think that uh, the, the the radio format will ever disappear? I mean, I, I personally don't think so, but do you think it might ever disappear? I mean, the Internet has kind of made a resurgence of the whole radio format in the last decade. The last two decades, really. Yeah, yeah. now, are you talk, talking uh, like uh, when you say radio format, you're talking about uh, where you uh, have... Uh, 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 pointed demographic like um, a yeah. modern country or old country or polka. AMFM. Yeah, AMFM. I'm talking about AMFM. Do you think AMFM will ever just disappear and it'll just uh, everything will be online, you know, streaming and all, and everything will go through the internet? Well, they said radio was going to die when television came on. That's true. And yeah, you killed the radio star. <laughs> they also my, said uh, my uh, my 
personal idea or belief is that there'll always be some stations, maybe not as many as they are now. Yeah. yeah. I do think that the um, the broadcast industry is a whole lot like uh, like real estate. It's overvalued, and they pushed it up, uh, promoted it so high that people like Clear Channel will never never come out even. Yeah, that's They've true. overexpanded and paid too much money for for stations. Yep. And they uh, now now routinely when the notice due, they spin out a few stations. Yep. and sell them and pay pay the interest and keep on going, but the debt is still there. And uh, someday, and this is way off the UFO subject, but someday we're going to have, um, you know, somebody's going to have to take a beating on uh, the values that they bought, just like in real estate. There's only one <laughs> yeah. thing wrong with the car business and the real estate business is the property's too high and cars are too high for the average guy who can pay for them. Yeah. That is true. Guys, we're going to go on a little break here in a second. Uh, we're going to be right breaks. back with, with uh, Mr. Cherry Pippen. I think uh, Jamie has to get up and go somewhere real quick. But uh, we'll be right back in a couple in a couple minutes here. We're going to uh, play a couple ad sponsors so we can pay uh, you know, a couple yeah, bills. Yeah, now don't jump past those sponsors, folks. Pay no, heed. don't jump them. Listen to these ads, guys. They're important. And we're going to be right back with Mr. Jerry Pippen, and we're going to open lines in a little bit. If you guys want to call on in, you see the number in the chat room there. If not, I will go ahead and give it to you. It's 941-548-4291. If you guys have any questions for Mr. Jerry Pippen, please call on in when we return from break. We'll be right back here on the Jackal's Head in a couple minutes. Stick around. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hello all, Jamie Havoc in here to tell you about Inception Radio. Inception Radio is live Tuesdays and Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Paranormal Soup Network. Inception Radio is our show that we do interviews on. You can also catch Florida UFO Radio's UFO-related news every day at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, every day but Sunday, that is right here on Paranormal Soup Network. But remember, Inception Radio is our interview show. Tuesdays and Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you there. And remember, keep your eyes on the sky. I'll see you at Inception Radio. Take care. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Dennis Crenshaw here. And I'm Rick Osman, and we're the hosts of Unraveling the Secrets, which airs every Saturday at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific Time. 
and unraveling the secret special edition, which comes to you the second Sunday of every month at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. And Dennis, I'm proud to be working with you here in our second year together as co-host because you're one of the world's leading investigators into the subterranean realm's mysteries. And Rick, it's a pleasure for me too because you are one of the leading experts on pre-Columbus contacts and the history of ancient America and our researchers dovetail finally. But that's not all we look at here at Unraveling Secrets, is it Rick? Oh no, not even close. We also check out UFOs and abductions, cryptozoology, mythical creatures, hidden history, lost worlds and vanished civilizations, conspiracies, and of course, the nefarious deeds of the controllers. Actually, everyone loves secrets, and the world is full of them, no matter what the subject. If it interests our viewers and listeners, we will work towards unraveling the secrets. And that's every Saturday at midnight Eastern Time over the peoplestvnetwork.com and simulcast over blogtalkradio.com. And don't forget our monthly Unraveling the Secret special edition, available every second Sunday of the month at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. See you there. You betcha. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Captain Smell So Good of the Starship Smelly Prize with my international co-host, Sayonai. And when we're not soaring through the cosmos looking for alien chicks, we're hanging out and the nuttiest head on and off the internet. That is the Jackalhead on Paranormal Suit Network. Tenacity Radio. Are we ready to blast off? Ignition. Full thrust. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have that and uh, I believe that our education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. It should help South Africa. It should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. That we will be able to build up our future. Why do you keep hearing us talk about paranormal soup? Well, go have a look for yourself. ParanormalSoupNetwork.com. Click the globe, it'll bring you right to the main site. It's a great website, a social network with a radio network at its core. And you can be part of it. You can have your own profile, interact, see when shows are coming on our calendar and events. You can take part in our forum, post videos, blogs, and so much more. That's why we talk about it so much. And it's our home. It's the home to many radio shows. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now. ParanormalSoupNetwork.com. Click the big earth, the globe. It'll bring you right in. On the top right hand side, you'll see login or sign up. Sign up, people. Because you want to be part of this. Trust me.
Jackal's Head with Mr. Jerry Pippen, myself, and of course, Jerry, Jamie Havican, who's sitting in as the producer for the show tonight. Welcome back, everybody, to the show here on Tenacity Radio and, of course, the Soup Media Network. Welcome back, Jerry. Now, it's good to be here. We were talking here before we went on break. We were talking, of course, of your background and we we're talking about the paranormal and ufology and about some folks like Travis Walton, Don Ray Walton. Funny enough, they have the same name, last name. But uh, I wanted to actually cover something with you, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and this is something that I thought, uh, since you brought up the ancient astronaut theory, I thought I wanted to get your insight on on this topic that I've kind of been rolling around in my head uh, when it comes to the UFO phenomenon, and, and especially with the whole secrecy surrounding UFOs. Um, and get your you know your insight on this to see if maybe you kind of agree with my thinking or rationale. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we see, of course, with NASA and the moon projects have been you know either hushed hushed. Of course, there's a lot of talk of how they've doctored a lot of evidence from the moon. A lot of videos you know have been airbrushed or pictures have been airbrushed and whatnot. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that perhaps a lot of the phenomenon's top secret stuff is happening? Because really what we're finding is that we were on the moon maybe 400,000 years ago, and it's just a part of humanity? Well, it's certainly a possibility. We don't have the answer. I, t- I was just l- uh, looking uh, at an email I got tonight. The guy sent in a bunch of pictures of uh, moon bases out and you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, this is not new. It's been around for a while. Uh, It's intriguing. And uh, we're not really sure. I mean, you have, you did, the the question you have here is uh, like we went to the moon and then we stopped going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somebody tell us to leave? That's you know what that's another hypothesis of mine that perhaps we got there and we were told hey uh, don't come back and that's the reason we haven't been back but don't you think it would make a lot of sense if we did go to the moon and found structures or or stuff that looked you know clearly artificially made but we found out once we got there that hey wait a second this is from Earth you know fifty thousand years ago or a hundred thousand years ago wouldn't that you know make it so much more of a shocking evidence okay, for humanity the, the way the, we are the, now. The, the, this, this gets back to something you guys opened up at the top of the show, something we've talked about, and we're going to do uh, our uh, summer edition of, of uh, our UFO news and sighting uh, mm-hmm. show on Monday night. It's been a run for a week, uh, 30 minutes each night we keep adding. And uh, it, it, the UK disclosure about... The, the Winston Churchill and Dwight David Eisenhower meeting when uh, yeah. Eisenhower was general of the army and mm-hmm. Churchill was prime minister. And the same thing, then we go to Roswell, which uh, goes forward to 1947, and Harry Truman, who was president at the time, and whether or not MJ-12 was formed, as Stanton Friedman says. And Stanton will be uh, speaking at uh, and be on our show from... Uh, Angel Fire, by the way, in September, but cool. uh, in, in New Mexico. But uh, the the point is, here we have an example that's validated by the press, 
and validated to a certain extent by uh, uh, U.S. and U.K. government officials. And you have men in charge, a general of the army, a prime minister of England, and the president of the United States later, Harry Truman, deciding that the public couldn't handle it. And so what we have here in our society today, in the Western civilization especially, is this overabundance of reaction and worry about uh, religious philosophy. In other words, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the think tank that uh, came on board that supposedly whether or not they should have UFO disclosure decided that uh, the fundamentalists couldn't handle it, wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to do it. And uh, we have places like Genesis 6-6, which I just talked about, uh, where they're talking about, uh, obviously, uh, entities coming somewhere and taking human women. And so uh, as their own, and then having children. Mm-hmm, right. And, and, and so... Uh, people are reluctant to talk about that because they're so afraid of the religious ramifications. Well, my theory about this is that in two weeks, the fundamentalist religions who were, uh, you know, even uh, dragging their feet on this would just revise their ideas. They wouldn't go out of business. People wouldn't be jumping out of windows and saying, oh, there's no... Uh, after life, and there's no this, and there's no that. I mean, these things have uh, handled lots of uh, shocks over the years. Oh, yeah, the Vatican recently came out and said that they support right. the possibility of UFOs right. and alien right. life. And that's a, that's a story in itself. It is, the, yeah, the, the Vatican seems to be going out of its way to prepare mm -hmm. people for the idea of it. And, and, no, and they, they have you know, observation. Uh, they have observation platforms that they can observe the stars. So they might know a lot more of what's going on than they lead on. Also, that's another thing that people don't know about. And here again, nobody's talking about it. And uh, and they're they're uh, we just need a good dose of reality, truth, T R U T H, real truth, not propaganda, not a spin. But just throw things out there and let people understand. People will, mm. can accept things, uh, especially today. Uh, we are, you know, acclimated to almost any idea. And I've been doing a UFO and extraterrestrial shows for five decades, off and on. Uh, it's not a new idea. In the 50s, you guys are far too young to know about this, but... <laughs> The 50s were uh, actually very active with oh, yeah, flying yeah. saucers everywhere and little green men and stories of them. And, I mean, there were pictures uh, in my local newspaper when I was a boy in junior high school from Washington, D.C., of UFOs right over the state of the Capitol building in 1952. And I mentioned Stanton Friedman. Uh, he, uh, he's written a book, uh, Forward for... Uh, Frankie, uh, you'll have to help me on that, uh, Jamie. His name, uh, the guy who about about the shoot downs. Oh, uh, Frank Fraschino. Yeah. Frank Fraschino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, basically, uh, there's evidence that probably there were 
not just two or three shoot downs, but hundreds. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I just yeah. uh, just did a show the other day um, in which I, I brought up uh, something that came to me uh, uh, from uh, some researchers down in uh, Australia. Uh, two years ago, there was a, a collision in the air with an airplane and a UFO, a bump. I mean, it's not just a head-on collision. Just a UFO ran up and bumped an airplane. The guys yeah. landed, and the dome was uh, the top of the fuselage was bent in. <laughs> I have and not uh, heard that nobody report. reported that for a long time. Or they, you know, and uh, so they tried to say it was birds, and they tried to say this, and it might have been. Who knows? But it maybe one of was uh, they were mighty these strong ETs bird, are deciding <laughs> these ETs are deciding. Hey, uh, they're not paying any attention to us. Let's get their attention. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my my question really, and you're perfectly answering most of it. Uh, and this is actually will lead right into the, the the real question: Which one do you think is more controversial for society as it's built today? Alien beings being a reality, or perhaps that we human beings on planet Earth went to the stars fifty thousand years ago, a hundred thousand years ago, and we're only rediscovering what we left out there long ago. And, you know, now we're rediscovering this, and that's maybe more shocking. Do you think that might be more shocking to society in general or to religion who thinks we're only several thousand years old? Or did we evolve on Mars and come here because Mars was Yeah, cool. that's another possibility. That's another possibility. Well, it seems to be a lot of evidence that the Egyptians probably did come from Mars, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's a that looks a little like Mars, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't think it's hard for me to be objective on that because I, I don't think it's controversial at all. I think it's probably logical. It seems that uh, we did have there must have been some societies going on, and somehow we lost it all. And you know, uh, I've always thought uh, I've always thought Atlantis probably was on Mars. That's always been kind of a theory of mine. And maybe that's why the the lore and the myth of Atlantis has stayed around through generations and generations and generations, you know, because it's a memory that we have of our old world that was on Mars. That's kind of always been a theory of mine. What do you think of that as a theory? Well, it's viable. It's not necessary. I don't know that you could prove it. It's hypothesis. Well, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, hypothesis. Um, <clears throat> I, I I think I think. You know that uh, personally, you're 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 asking me something that uh, maybe some of my listeners might be shocked about. But I personally think that a lot of things in the Christian Bible and other Bibles uh, were misread, mm -hmm. and that uh, these were actually people from other planets coming here. Yep. And we thought of them as gods because they could do certain things. And that seems very logical to me. And, uh, you know, always been the big argument about and uh, whether or not, uh, you know, we were uh, uh, Darwin's children and his theory or were creationists right. And I think they're probably both right. Hmm. And by that, I don't mean necessarily that God created this, but you could call it God or ever how he did it. But I think... Uh, I think the human 
race. You talked about the Crystal Skulls a little earlier. And uh, I don't know why Lloyd hadn't come out with the uh, final episode. I, I, I think probably he must be working on some sort of TV deal. Mm, yeah. Probably, yeah, that yeah. could be true. Yeah, and uh, I think that probably it'll come out in the fall. Jerry, that's going to change a lot of things in ufology when he comes out with that news. Mm-hmm. If indeed that Star Child Skull is, you know, half alien. Well, that'll change a lot. But the, the, we have a, a wonderful. That's the reason I said these. Uh, fundamentalists and others that, uh, that believe a certain way, they will rationalize whatever happens. An E.T. Yep. could land tomorrow and uh, show up uh, at the White House, and they could have a press conference, and uh, you'd have three schools of thought. <laughs> After it over, you'd have, uh, you'd have uh, people on television, experts, talking about it, and uh, one would say, well, with uh, President Obama there, that was definitely an E.T. Another group would say, it's some sort of trick. They're trying to play a game on us, and this guy's not an E.T. <laughs> and, and then the third would say, well, you know, uh, we don't know what it is, but uh, we don't think it's what they think it is. You know, that's just the way it is. Nobody believes anything these days. We have more information than ever before, and it's pretty hard. I guess mass confusion is the best way to to describe our beliefs in general. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's already information out there that pretty much proves the same thing the the Star Child Skull will prove, and skeptics Mm -hmm. will say, no, it's not. Uh, you know, extraterrestrial origin. It's some kind of mutation or something. You know, they'll come up with something. Right. They're, they're always going to come up with something. You, you know, and that's what fascinates me. You're always going to have somebody try to debunk it, no matter if the evidence proves one way. There's still I mean, going to be have, a debunker out there. We have proof in our own DNA, you know, yeah. that proves something's off. Well, there's lots of answers, uh, and uh, which ones are correct, but I, I think mostly. And all of these things about UFOs and science and even politics is a little of all of the above. In other words, there's a little truth to each of these factions, and it's enough for them to cling on to it. And we pretty well uh, just um, uh, the human mind and uh, the 21st century man or woman just kind of accepts or rejects what they want to. And they go on. It's very unfortunate, but that's very true. Uh, Jerry, what do you think, uh, and this is kind of a, a sensitive uh, subject uh, here, it, you know, what do you, why do you think if, for example, aliens do land in the White House lawn one day, and uh, this will probably be the worst thing that could happen to this country, but when the alien ship lands and the trap door opens, out walks 50-foot Native American-looking aliens, what do you think is going to be uh, the reaction if that happens. Well, if they're 50 feet tall, it's going to have to be a pretty big ship. I mean, or at that point, you just look at each other and be like, uh, guys, it was a good run while we had it, but uh, it's time to give yep. the country back. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe ask uh, it if they can I, I, teach well, us how to it, make it, uh, it, giant it, it, corn What I'm saying is uh, that there'll be a faction that won't believe it, regardless yeah. Yeah. of what we see. Perhaps, Jerry, they could help us, uh, you know, grow giant corn or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it's I mean, funny, my, though. My personal ambition is to uh, <laughs> run up with a microphone, knock on a UFO door, and a guy comes out and talks to me. But if, <laughs> even if I did that, 
And there'd be about 40% of the audience would say, yeah, they, that was a pretty good trick. Pretty good yeah. studio <laughs> effects yeah. there. Um, now, I'd like I mean, to so know, what oh, is real proof? Go ahead, Jamie. Well, I just want to put out there that we are taking calls. If you want to get your question yep. in to Mr. Pippen, you better uh, do it pretty soon. The number is 941-548-4291. Yes, indeed. And, and Jerry, going back here to the question of the ancient, ancient astronaut and of religion, uh, you just brought it up. Uh, you know, you brought up a, a very interesting subject that I like talking about, the fact that perhaps the Bible was mis translated and the word god was superimposed over you know alien visitors or the aliens that came down in seated man the elohim in the bible which of course in the sumerian text means completely different than what the bible interpretation of the elohim uh, do you believe in the, the sumerian text and that possibly being the correct uh, origin of mankind as we know it well i, th I think that uh there was a lot of misunderstanding in the Christian Bible, especially in the Older Testament, and even in the oh, New yeah. Testament, and even even in the way the uh, Bible was uh, picked to be uh, to be revealed or or translated, uh, the King James mm -hmm. version. I mean, I think he killed a few translators who didn't come up with what he wanted. Mm, yep. If you check history, what? and so um, yep. uh, what what we're talking about here is uh, threefold. Uh, first of all, uh, ask any lawyer, an eyewitness is not necessarily reliable. As uh, we we suddenly decide what we've seen is what we've seen when we didn't see it, and um, that's just kind of a, a thing about the human mind. The second thing is that. They had an agenda when they presented Christianity the way they did, and that was the control element. And the, frankly, uh, the royalty uh, wanted to keep the peasants happy. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to keep the peasants happy is uh, that, uh, you know, you, your rewards are in heaven. So go ahead and work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Whoops, there's a place in there that says you're supposed to take the Sabbath off. So, well, it works six days a week then. And uh, that type of thing. And then uh, the third thing is uh, uh, translations itself. Uh, who decided what, which ones are going to take and which ones are not mm. going to take. Yep. And uh, so uh, the argument back is that the Word of God is divinely inspired and uh, that's a fundamentalist, uh, basically their their creed. And I I say, well, it might be fundamentally inspired uh, and divinely inspired by the overall idea, but there's too many examples in the Christian Bible alone that uh, are are not consistent. There's three mm, yep. three uh, three actually three uh, different. Uh, descriptions of the crucifixion. One of them is talking about an earthquake and a storm. You don't think the other two guys would have thought about that? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, That's you know, so true. and then, then, then there's the story of the ascension. Uh, at the, yeah. when, when, when Jesus came back, he, some say he went outside and drifted off. Some say he went right through the ceiling. So, I mean, you can't take, uh, uh, we just have to use logic and uh, 
the men of the cloth used the word faith, and that's what that's built on. Yep. And of course, always, we all we all also yeah, think. I, I personally think uh, that uh, we we're not really. Um, I'm, I'm almost agnostic these days. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We got to take into um, consideration also who who are some of the folks that rewrote some of these Bibles. King James, for example, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, King James wasn't exactly the nicest human being alive. Plus, he was a closeted homosexual, which a lot of people didn't know about. And a lot of people who Bible thump and, you know, you know, bash gay people and say the Bible is against homosexuality and this and that. Well, part of the reason there is stuff against homosexuality in the Bible is because King James was trying to hide his own homosexuality. And he put it in the Bible as a form of hiding his own self. If you guys Google that, you'll find out that's an actual true, you know, true fact when it comes to well, who you, King you, James many, was. Many parts of the New Testament were written by Paul. Right. And uh, Paul had problems of the flesh, and uh, my also dad right. always thought he was talking yeah. about women, but I don't think so. No, no, no. I don't think so either. And a, and a lot of these stories that, you know, we take for granted do, do have double meaning, and yeah. it's pretty incredible. Uh, we have to really, I think, as a society, look at, you know, the people that put these works out and the and the translations behind a lot of the stuff that they, they, well, they there's a lot even, of subliminal we, messaging. We even, we even get into this uh, difference of translations or what somebody said in everyday conversation and in, even mm -hmm. when uh, you guys uh, talk about uh, UFO sightings and you see lights in the sky and you get three or four different people that are talking about it, uh, we all kind of misread what we're saying sometimes. Yep. Yep. In, in other, other words, uh, uh, some people say it's an orange ball. Other people say no. It was a, I could definitely see a triangle, and uh, on and on. You know. So I mean, this is one of the things we have to deal with in reality: is uh, the human mind and its perception. Yes, indeed. and our uh, perception is everything. It is reality. Yeah. And uh, that's too bad, but it's true. And we deal in broadcasting uh, with perception all the time. And, yes, uh, we do. And so, uh, you, you know, it, it's you mentioned you mentioned our Roswell uh, drama, which we're quite proud of. It's two and a half hours long. You can go find it. Uh, just click on the, uh, the UFO section on any of our websites there, and uh, you'll find it under Roswell. And... Uh, Basically, uh, we spent a lot of time creating this radio drama, and it it, it literally creates an imagination, uh, imaginary picture in your mind. You can see uh, the generals trying to get the cowboy uh, to come across and say he lied, and that uh, there wasn't a saucer, and there wasn't this, and there wasn't that. And Mac Brazel, the cowboy, of course, uh, he ended up uh, leaving uh, Roswell with a lot of property. Some of it had uh, uh, oil uh, rights on it, the mineral rights, and he got a new pickup truck that week. So, uh, so you, know, yeah. you know, it's funny. We've, about always, Roswell. we've always used money. We've always used money to uh, basically uh, buy people off, and it doesn't take too much, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you stop and think about it, uh, then there's some uh, the talk now. If you look at those famous General Ramey pictures where he's mm -hmm. uh, showing the uh, balloon wreckage yep. in Fort Worth, we've all seen those. If you oh, look yeah, at those yeah. pictures pretty carefully, uh, one of the things that stands out, and this has been brought out by a couple of people now, 
is a general Ramey here uh, who was uh, head of the 8th Air Force and the crack troop. He was dressed fit to kill in his class A's, but look at his face. He needs a shave. He has 5 o'clock shadow, and uh, nobody nobody in the Army, especially in a crack unit like that, would uh, be having 5 o'clock shadow unless they didn't have time to shave. So why didn't he have time to shave? It meant that he was up all night trying to uh, cover up the uh, the story that Colonel Blanchard put out mm-hmm. about uh, capturing the flying disc, because they did. And if you look at Jesse Marcel there, who was brought into the room and looking at the wreckage, hey, he looks well, Marcel's, uniform, <laughs> Marcel's uniform, yeah, you look at his smile and all that, we can examine <laughs> that too, but, or I guess it's a grimace, really. Yeah. It's more like, what the, hell, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah like, right. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, right. But he probably he probably went to Fort Worth with the wreckage. In fact, there's uh, you know evidence that uh, he was seen leaving and getting into the plane, uh, carrying a box with uh, mm-hmm. uh, the rail with the uh, strange color markings and the and the hieroglyphics on it. And uh, basically, he was probably in his fatigues. Yep. And uh, back in those days, now everybody in the Army wears fatigues all the time. And very, it's very rare to see anybody in a Class A uniform. Right. Not then, though. But yeah. back then, it was just the reverse. Right. And uh, he was in a uniform, all right, in that picture. But I don't think he has a shoulder patch on. No. And I don't think he even has his rank on there. No. So what does that mean? And there's a tie over there on the file cabinet. So uh, he didn't have his tie on yet. So what does that mean? That means that somebody gave him a uniform that didn't exactly fit and told him to pose for the picture. That's the way I figure it. You know, Jerry, you know what did it for me and sealed the Roswell case as a, as positively, you know, irrefutable, irrefutable, irrefutable evidence that it happened, that this thing really, you know, took place. For me, it was when Lieutenant Walter Hunt came out Publicly, in the uh, the deathbed confession that was you know released after he passed, saying that yes, there was an incident, that yes, there was a crash, that yes, it was covered up. That did it for me. I mean, he was the press release officer for for the army at that time. Right. That did it for me. That did it for me. I mean, I don't need to hear anything else from the government. I don't need to hear any more witnesses. That did it for me because there's a guy who has nothing to gain at all whatsoever by putting this statement out after he's dead. It's not like he's going to write a book or, you know, produce a DVD documentary or anything. I mean, he just released this after he died because of the simple fact that he wanted to at least die with knowing that his conscience is going to be cleared. And I, and and I, I, I know, I know the me. guy I know the guy that recorded that and the woman, mm-hmm. Wendy, uh, can't think of her last name, out of Albuquerque, and Dennis Balthaser. Mm-hmm. Balthaser, I'm sorry. I always mispronounce his name. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Walter was very sincere that day, and he wasn't hallucinating. Yep. And he was talking and telling the truth, what it is. And we've, uh, you know, uh, we use that as a bumper uh, many times on our Roswell shows of him describing the little beings. And uh, there was, uh, I mean, you got to remember these people were the crack Army Air Force unit. They're the ones that dropped the nuclear weapons in Nagasaki yes. and Hiroshima. Yeah. 
and you, you and their intelligence officer can't tell the difference between a weather balloon and something else. And there's evidence, of course, that uh, the real crash didn't happen at the Foster Ranch at all, but it happened about 60 miles away. And uh, it was probably some sort of an escape pod, uh, which is pretty common. We even use that in uh, in, our, in uh, some of our space uh, craft designs so that the crew is, survives if you have something go wrong. And it's up there against the mountain, and everybody saw it. And the game ranger there, uh, he was sworn to secrecy, and they blocked all those roads off for a whole day. The Army did. And uh, the bombardier, uh, the, uh, the B-29, uh, later, a couple of months later, and I have his name on one of our shows, he uh, basically said that uh, I saw a piece of equipment in the Bombay of the B-29. <clears throat> now, it was a couple of months after the rest of the stuff had been blown out, but if you stop and think about it, would you put everything you had on one airplane? I don't think so. I think you would spread this out, <laughs> because what if, you know, what if they had a plane crash? All your evidence would be wiped out, so the, the, the Army normally did uh, kind of broke up evidence like that and shifted different ways. And a lot of people don't understand it, but there was a, a, a crash uh, about a month earlier up in Washington State of a piece of equipment that came from a flying saucer. <clears throat> and excuse me. And uh, it was in an airplane, and it crashed about 30 miles after taking off and up in Washington State, flying into Wright Patterson. It's where it was supposed to go, but it never made it. Never got it out of Washington State. And we have a story about that, too, on our website. We could spend hours. That's one reason uh, we're proud of what we do uh, and with all of our – it's a little complicated because we've done all so right. many shows. But you can uh, spend some time and really research and find out some pretty interesting things. We've had some very interesting interviews, and so have you guys. Yeah, Jerry, real quick, we have a, a caller on the line who wants to get yeah. a, a question in. Uh, is he on the line, Jamie? Did you patch him in? Is this Tom Walton? Yeah, yeah. No, we, no, we have a caller, but uh, <laughs> I, I keep oh. <laughs> I keep messing it up for some reason. But uh, oh lord, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to call back in right now. And uh, all right, cool. See, we yeah, we have I, a board operator I, here, uh, Jerry. We have a board operator named Pete Dickinson, but he's he's off for. Hold on, Jack. Hold on, Jamie. I, hold on, Jamie. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Jackal's head. Remember. Hold on. We have a gentleman by the name of Pete Dickinson who's not here tonight, so Jamie's taking over here, and he is still learning to do the job that Pete does. So, you know, let's bear with him here. Uh, what's going on, Jamie? Well, you told Jamie to be quiet. He can and talk he now. Is. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, man? We're going to have to get Pete over here? What's happening with the, uh, with the uh, boards here? Are we going to get this caller on? I'm telling you, it's it's hard to hire help at Taco Bell. It's just, it's not good. It's hard to find good help these days. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, while we wait for for the caller who's calling in, apparently. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, you're speaking. Are you there? Yeah, well, I was speaking before, but uh, we cannot bring this caller in. It won't let me add him to the conference for some reason. It just says huh. trans- What are you going to ask? Well, oh, here, no, hold on. Let me, I'll ask let me see if I can... Back. 
let me see if I can get him in. Is this uh, Brian? Who's calling yeah. in? Brian? Yeah. yeah. Ohio? Uh, hold on. Let, let me uh, get him on, on there. Are you adding him to the conference on Skype there? No, he was trying to call in, but I, it wouldn't let me add him, so. And I don't know. He says Skype. he called now and is busy. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, I can't, he called now and I can't get through, so I couldn't just let it sit there and keep ringing. So, so, so um, this oh, guy well, was going to ask a question. You guys are censoring or what? Well, yeah, we, <laughs> I, we have I think the government might be censoring. Calls. We have to censor unknown calls, but. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. We had technical boo-boos sometimes happen. Yeah, well, he's, usually, he's telling I think me it's because, because Jackal started the, the Skype. He can only let the people call in and accept it because I'm just a caller. I can't add them to the conference. It's weird. Okay. Hmm. Very weird. weird. But if uh, if the caller wants to get on Skype and log in, um, and he can just call Jackal that way, and we can add him to yeah. the show. Well, he's he's uh, typing the question here in the chat room. I'll here, just ask. I'll, uh, I'll, get, for, him, for I'll get him on right now. I'll get him on. Well, just you, keep talking. All right. All right, well, then, then I won't ask the question. I'll let Jamie get him on there for you. But it is Roswell-related, which it is, to me, the most fascinating subject. And like I said, that deathbed confession hey, that, that, alone that gets sealed more it for audience me. for us than yeah. any other shows we do, even though... It uh, does, really. It's, a, it's amazing. That others. and the Travis Walton... Those two, the Travis Walton case and the Roswell case, always seems to draw the biggest audience. Uh, those, yeah. are, those are the two that will never die out, I don't think. As far as the importance of uh, those cases in the, in the ufology field, you know. Well, Roswell has a chance, really, to become a mecca for UFO research. They have a, a interesting uh, dichotomy there. Uh, the UFO museum's not really cooperating the way it should, in my opinion. Um, they they get the motel tax. The city does. And uh, it's quite a tourist mecca now. They built lots of motels there, and the uh, anniversaries uh, really become quite successful. And I don't see why there would be any barrier to taking some of that money and making it a grant for UFO research. In other words, creating a UFO research center. All right, here's our caller. Oh, caller, you're on the air. Maybe that'll happen. Yep. Brian, are you there? Maybe, well, if he's there, I can't not. hear him. Neither can I. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking to give a raise to Pete now and uh, making sure he doesn't take any more days off because, man. Yeah, don't. It's not me. It's Skype. Yeah, the Skype thing. Is... I'm trying to. I'm trying to add him, but and it's showing that I can call him. Don't you see? Yeah, it right let, there? let me let me try to call. Here we him. go. Here we go. We're calling him right now. That's me trying to call him. Let me try to yeah, call him. Hold on. I know. Since you're the main person of the Skype thing tonight, only you yes, can I am. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Is he on? Brian, are you there? This is going to be the hardest calling onto the show. Boy, his, qu his question better be dynamite. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty good question, but it's, let me tell you, this better be like earth shattering. <laughs> man, well, oh man! You guys are trying to do that. I want to mention that uh, we are going to be up in New Mexico again, uh, and it'll be September 9th through 12th, and we'll be at a place called Angel Fire, which is up by Taos, and not very far from Dulce. 
And you guys know about Dulce, of course, the uh, underground base, supposedly. And uh, there's uh, going to be quite a few people there uh, lecturing, and there'll be a film festival as well. John Greenwall will be there uh, and doing a keynote, and the featured speaker will be Stanton Friedman on Friday night. In addition to that, uh, Dennis Balthaser, who I just mentioned, uh, he's going to be the MC. I think it's 12 uh, speakers altogether, including Travis Walton. And uh, I could go on and list the, the Alien Hunter, Daryl Sims will be there. And uh, the rest of the names I could uh, just keep on going. Uh, Paul Davids, of course, will be talking about something that's an interesting subject. I don't know if you guys are interested in it or not. Uh, crossing over Hello. to the other side. Welcome. I think oh. we have somebody on the phone. We have our I think we finally, we finally have Brian on the line. Welcome, Brian from Ohio. <laughs> Hey guys, I, I don't know what's going on with the phone line. Um, yeah, I just I had two quick questions uh, for Mr. Pit, uh, Pippin, and I just wanted him to kind of comment on them or talk about what he knows about it. And and I just jumped into the show about 50 minutes ago, so I don't know if you've already covered these. So if you have, I apologize. But right, make it quick. We only have a few minutes. So go for it. Okay, my first question is uh, what does Mr. Pippin think about the, uh, the the letter that Marcel was holding during the picture where you, f where you can Photoshop or zoom in on it to read that letter? And then my second question slash comment is uh, does he believe the story hmm. of that the UFO actually crashed in Roswell due to radar experimentation of just beaming out regular radar uh, and supposedly that interfered with the UFO and it crashed? Okay, let, let, let me take the last one first. There's a fellow by the name of Chuck Wade's done a lot of uh, research on this. And uh, evidently, it appears to Chuck and to many other people, it makes a good case, that actually uh, there were many UFO incidents in New Mexico in 1947. Into 1948, we had the Aztec crash. And recently, um, they had uh, an Aztec conference in which uh, they had remote viewing, and uh, the remote viewers said it definitely happened. And there'll be more about that at their new conference uh, coming up. Uh, Lynn Buchanan uh, headed that uh, group of 11 uh, different uh, remote viewers from around the world, and uh, basically uh, Lynn Buchanan is one of the better a known remote viewer, so you can take that for what it's worth. But the point is that all these crashes happened, at least four and maybe six, in 47 through 1948. And these uh, crashes uh, all seem to have one thing in common, and that was uh, uh, probably the radar did it. And uh, you got to understand what they were using at that point. It was a very... Uh, high band, high resolution, uh, heat producing radar ray. And it did, there's evidence uh, that uh, that radar did cause problems of avionics you know, on our, our craft even. And so Chuck mm. has uh, laid out in a DVD and I think even uh, a paper or two in presentations, it was some pretty good evidence that we knew that this radar was causing havoc with these flying saucers. And so what they probably did, uh, 
in New Mexico, Los Alamos was there, Kirkland Air Force Base was there, you had the Roswell Army Air Base, which was a nuclear unit, you also had uh, uh, just south of there, uh, White Sands, New Mexico. Uh, when these things would be spotted, they would turn up this radar and literally zap them, hmm. trying to knock yeah. down these flying saucers. Remember, Harry Truman, or one of the major generals at the time, and there's a record of this, did order a shoot-down. The shoot-down order stayed in effect through past 1952. And as I alluded earlier, Stanton Friedman and others have talked about that and uh, evidence that maybe we lost as many as, are you ready for this, 500 fighter planes hmm. to UFOs. And we would explain, mm. you know, there's some evidence of several of those in Washington, D.C. ran around that July 1952 yep. flap, yep. 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 which planes did crash. They couldn't hide it because that's a populated area. <laughs> there's, there's actually a list of them on Frank Fraschino's website, flatwoodsmonster.com. There's a list of uh, pilots that, that went down and crashed uh, during that era. It's a, a very long list. Mm, yeah. and, and, and that's that's true, and uh, we'd urge people to go over there and look at that. So, so yes, it appears that this just didn't happen uh, accidentally, that we were literally trying to zap these flying saucers. Remember, uh, our mentality at that point was that uh, they were they were a threat to our airspace. Later on, a man I know was in a meeting. Uh, with a major general, I don't mean major general like a three-star rank, I'm talking about a major general, and maybe not general of the Army, but a man in charge of air reconnaissance. And the subject of UFOs came up in this meeting, and the general said, well, how can we disclose anything? How can we admit anything? How can We would be saying to the American public that we can't, protect our own airspace. And this was the mentality of the military at that point, and still is. Mm -hmm. and, and even the politicians, especially these days, uh, you know, they, um, they're, they're pushing the terrorism thing to the, the, to the help with the envelope to get lots of funding for lots of things. <laughs> and so um, now the other, the other question about it, uh, remind me what he asked. Well, it was uh, about the letter, uh, the the Jesse Marcel letter that he oh, was Oh, okay. Holding. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no. yeah, if you zoom in on now, it. Now, we have a I'll, minute I'll left, Jerry. What we're going to do, do is we're going to uh, drop the Tenacity stream in just a minute because our, our time is up on that station. We're going to go over a little bit on the on the Soup Media Network station, guys. So just stick around so we can answer this question that Brian had. And then after that, we're, we're going to let Mr. Jerry Pippen go for the night. But uh, go ahead and answer the question because that is a very good question. That, uh, to me, um, when they de when they exposed what was said on that letter, that along with the death deathbed con confession, that pretty much sealed it for me. I mean, that, that was uh, pretty much the nail in the coffin, those two things for me. So that's a very good question, Brian. Well, David uh, Rubiak, who did a lot of research on that, and a few others, mm -hmm. uh, they pretty well convinced me it does say that, uh, it was, you know, that uh, what it was alluded to be, that it was a flying saucer and a crash and not, not a weather balloon. 
Right. Yeah, I, I, I believe uh, you got to understand General Ramey, and this is another point I'd like to bring out. What General Ramey was holding there in his hand, here the general with the five o'clock shadow, was the fact that uh, I don't know that people even know what these things are. They're called Twixes, mm-hmm. and they're really teletypes. And on the teletype paper at the point, that's how they used to do things. And in fact, even the newswires used to use it. The paper was shredded on each side. Yep. And it would pull, they had a little belt and a little wheel that would pull this paper through automatically as it printed. And so you'd tear these little edges of the paper off the Twix, and then you would have a regular piece of paper. Well, if you look at that picture pretty carefully, there's a little edge or two left on that that letter he's holding, and that Twix was from somebody in Washington D.C., perhaps somebody even in the White House. And uh, he had been given his orders, and he was a good soldier, and he was going to cover it up. And they made Jesse Marcel, the major, the intelligence officer, the scapegoat. Now <laughs> Jesse Marcel went on to retire. And uh, served a long time after that. General, um, I mean, Colonel Blanchard became a four-star general later at the yes. Pentagon. Yep. So if they were screwing up, uh, the army, army and the Air Force didn't seem to think so, as they promoted them regularly. Now I have um, an interview that we did this year with uh, Art McCurdy, who was the editor of the Roswell newspaper in 1947. And he's 93 years old now. I'm very lucid still yet. And Art knew Colonel Blanchard very well. Butch Blanchard's what he called him. And they were one night in the officers' club getting drunk. And they really got pretty well along. And McCurdy said, come on, Butch, tell me what really happened. And Butch said, basically, Colonel Blanchard said, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I never want to see anything like that again. I still shudder when I think about it, and I'm paraphrasing. Hmm. And, and then he stopped and realized what he said, and he said, please, hmm. we're friends. Don't let this go any further. I shouldn't have said that. I've been ordered not to talk about it. There you go. Any uh, more questions right. for, for our guest, Brian, for the night, or... or those are the only two you had. No, those are really good I, questions, by the I way. I just wanted to say it was an honor just to even, uh, you know, speak to him real quick and then have him uh, comment on that. And I, just, I find those two those two issues with, with the uh, the military paper being zoomed in on and uh, mm-hmm. the claim of the radar taking down the UFOs to be some of the biggest, uh, in my point of view, some of the biggest issues with the Roswell case. And to be honest, not very many people talk about them. Uh, I mean, you hear about it every now and then, but everybody's focused remember, on the body bags. Uh, remember, remember, the general uh, had no idea that we'd have equipment 60 years later that could read pieces of paper. Yes, correct. <laughs> That's very correct. true. <laughs> and um, you know, and, and I just want to say, you can usually uh, I've seen the zoom in on that too, and you can. There are some words you cannot make out all the way, but then there's websites that speculate on what it is. But the word survivors. And it's, and it's plural is easily seen. Bodies is on there, and then disc yep. is on there. And you yes. can see those three things very, very easily. So, uh, you know, anybody listening, check that out. And uh, thank you so much, Mr. Pippen, for uh, uh, bringing, you know, commenting on that. And, uh, again, uh, it was an honor to, 
to, to listen to you and hear you here on oh, the Journal uh, Network. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well, I'm going to hang where, up. Where do you, you guys live? have a great show. Where do you I live? I live in Ohio. Okay. I, I am in Ohio. Well, are you close to Wright Patterson? Uh, I, I've been there several times. My wife actually lives in Dayton. Okay. Uh, and, she, and when we married, we moved down here uh, to the city we're in now. So I've got a lot of in-laws there. But, yes, I've, I've been to Dayton several times and toured where the old uh, uh, is either Hangar 16 or 18, where that was. 18. Uh, in fact, one night we even pulled our car over, and it stopped because uh, we thought we saw some lights in the sky. And it's, it's one of the uh, things that my wife loves to talk about. But I don't know what it was. It was just a light over the, over the military base, and our car actually stopped. And our radio to this day on that car has not worked. I don't know why. Huh. It's, I mean, it's, but, uh, yeah, that's another story. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> the Dayton Air Force Museum is open to the public, though. You can check it out. But, of course, they're supposed to have a network underground and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife's that's an, uncle actually That's works an entire there. show in itself. That's an entire show yeah. in itself. Thanks, yeah. Brian, for calling in. Say, and say hi to the All wife right. for us. I, I definitely will. She's just listening here a minute ago. All right, cool. Unraveling the secrets. Yes, guys. Thank you, uh, you, Mr. Piven. Thank you so much, Jerry, for for being here. We're going to definitely have to have you back on in the near future because I could talk to you for five, six hours nonstop. I mean, you're (laughs) definitely a fascinating uh, gentleman, and I I appreciate you so much for being here. And and anybody anybody that's near Angel Fire, New Mexico, in northern New Mexico, right by Mm, uh, Santa Fe and Palos, come and see me. I'll be there September 9th through 12th. Perfect. And before you leave, give out all, right. all the website addresses uh, for yourself, Jer- anything that you can catch Pippen. your show on. Com. That's J-E-R-R-Y-P-I-P-P-I-N, all one word, naturally. We also and have iPodshows.net mm-hmm. and com, and, and basically those two are podcast sites where we the spotlight uh, shows that are current that you can download, but we also have lots of other shows there, too, so... And everything's linked from the new program window on the homepage of jerrypippin.com, so you won't miss anything. That is great. Thank you so much again, Jerry, and we're going to let you go for the night now. And, guys, everybody, please go to jerrypippin.com, bookmark the website, check out his show. If you haven't done it yet, shame on you. But yeah, bookmark go over, the show Go, go and over there and look it. right now. We've got a graphic yes. of uh, the, the jackal. Oh, nice. Yeah. Too. nice. It'll only be there for about that. four or five minutes, but uh, <laughs> the shows are. That's we'll put more than I can the, like, that's more than that We'll have a link to the show. You guys have archives, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Oh, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll send it to the archive you. right here. Just yeah. scheduled right away. So it'll, yep, be we'll post, it'll, it'll be posted up in a couple of days, and I'll send you the link. Uh, thanks again, Jerry. It's been an amazing show. Yes, okay, it thank has. you very much. And once it, it's posted, uh, we'll put that back on the highlight window again. Probably with Jacko's picture. <laughs> My lovely mug. <laughs> thank yeah, you so a, much, Well, Jerry. it may not be a graphic. That may be really you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might <laughs> yeah, be. He's know. talking about the uh, cartoon. <laughs> yes, I know. That's uh, You know, that might become a comic book series, that cartoon. <laughs> Between us. Now we're that's, talking. Uh, in the, that's in the pipeline. But, uh, Jerry, well, again, thank I, you so much. I've always wanted to be in a comic book, so I hope we uh, are more than just a voice inside your head. Maybe, maybe we'll I'm, have I'm, an encounter of some sort. Maybe you might be a character a crime, inside my comic on book. On an anti-crime <laughs> spree and reveal conspiracies <laughs> right and left. There you go. There you, go. you could be a character inside my comic book as well as a voice inside yeah, I'll my be, head. I'll be the Robin of the Batman. <laughs> there you go. That'll work. Guys, we have Unraveling the Secrets now over on the 
People's TV Network. Uh, check that out. Who's your guest on uh, tonight, J uh, Jamie? They are having uh, Elvis Presley experts on, and they're going to unravel some of Elvis's most uh, most of his secrets. Their guests are Corey Cooper and Steve Roberts. Now, stick around for that. We are going to be streaming them on here on the Paranormal yep. Soup Network and the Soup Media Network, as it's called now, and as soon as we uh, get off the show here. But once again, I want to thank everybody who showed up tonight on both Tenacity Radio and the Soup Media Network and, of course, all the Paranormal Soup Network fans and friends who are in the chat room. Thank you all for coming out tonight, and we're going to be back tomorrow night for four hours of The Jackal's Head. It won't be as exciting as tonight because we won't have a living legend like Mr. Jerry Pippen here, but it's going to be a damn good time. So please come back tomorrow at 10 o'clock Eastern time and join us, wouldn't you? And again, Jerry, thank you so much, sir. One more time. Yeah, and, and we've got a, a real Elvis Presley section with the people who knew Elvis. Check that out, too. Well, nice. We've we got to check that out. We'll <laughs> definitely do that. All right, everybody, we're going to have Unraveling the Secrets shortly right here on the Soup Media Network. Stick around for that. You are about to enter a new dimension in sound. Raise your hand.